Good morning, everyone. My name is Jeff Johnson. Uh, the scripture passage today comes from the New Testament. It's from the book of John. There are two selections. Uh, the first is chapter 3, verse 16, and I'll also be reading from chapter 17, verse 3. Hear now the word of the Lord. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And from chapter 17, verse 3, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, well, thank you all for having me here today, this morning. Um, I feel like we're kind of beginning a journey of getting to know one another, and this sermon is kind of reflective of sort of this beginning time of getting to know one another. This message that I have today is uh, reflective of who I've become, um, reflective of a shift that I've made sort of in my beliefs and in my personal theology, and, and it's also reflective of a shift that I really hope that the church today can make, especially as we're trying to reach a, a lost post-Christian world. Um, and so I'm really excited about what the Holy Spirit has laid on my heart today as, as this is something um, that really is at the core of, of who I am. And I kind of want to uh, introduce you to it as well. So we're going to begin with a, a video clip today. Oh, I should, I, should, I should have introduced myself first. Hello, my name is Bill Verveldi. I'm the pastoral candidate here. And um, you, Covenant Partners, have the power to remove that word candidate. Um, just a reminder <laughs> to all of you. Uh, <clears throat> so we're going to begin with a video clip. And um, part of this getting to know me process is that one thing um, that you'll learn about me is that my absolute favorite show is the first 10 seasons of The Simpsons. I think it's the best television ever made. And we're going to watch um, a clip from an episode of the first 10 seasons in The Simpsons. And so this clip is going to take place on a hot day on Evergreen Terrace, which is where the Simpson family lives. And The Simpsons are going to do something that's going to beat the heat and it's going to make Bart and Lisa immediately the most popular kids on the block. So let's watch and see how Bart and Lisa become so popular. Well, you're certainly doing your job today, Mr. Sun. Oh, rats. Sunshine on my shoulders makes me happy. I'm all on ice cream. It's true, you know. Ice cream, ice cream, fresh shot ice cream. Oh. Ah, oh, face it, Bart. Our salvation isn't just gonna roll by on the back of some stupid truck. Whoa! I gotta replace that window. Okay, little dudes, time's up. Everybody out. Dad? 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 Yes, Lisa? Dad, as you know, we've been swimming, and we've developed a taste for it. We both agree that getting our own pool is the only way to go. Now, before you respond, you must understand that your refusal would result in months and months of... I understand. Let us celebrate our new arrangement with the adding of chocolate to milk. 
Over here we have the Hick Tub, the uh, Insta Rust. That's the Lightning Magnet. That's the Tinkler. Woo, the Tinkler! I like the sound of that. We'll take it. Is it true we should wait at least an hour after eating before we go in? Look, question, lady. This job is not what I really do. Okay, I play keyboards. Fine barn, but sure tis no pool, English. Do it! Is it a pool yet? Yes, Dad. Woohoo! Who could that be? Uh, hello, uh, Mrs. Uh, Bart. Is your pool ready yet? <laughs> hmm. Bart, are all these children friends of yours? Friends and well-wishers, yes. Hey, Bart. Hi, Bart. Hey, Bart. Hi, Bart. Hi, Bart. Hello, Mrs. Cumberdale. Isn't it amazing? The same day you got a pool is the same day we realized we liked you? The timing worked out great, don't you think? Hey, come watch this. Look, Lisa. I found this change on the bottom of the pool. You can have it. Thanks, Nelson. Lisa, please join my family for a weekend in the country. They'll be hunting charades and ever so many delightful romantic misunderstandings. They're only using you for your pool, you know. Shut up, Brain. I got friends now. I don't need you anymore. Uh, yeah, I'd love to go to your house. <laughs> Dude. Buzz has it, and even wussier kid has an even better pool than this. Huh? Hello? Hey, I'm stuck in here. I gotta think of a way to get out. Well, 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 look who's come crawling back. So I, uh, I appreciate you bearing with the four minutes of that clip, but I love how this clip sets up why Bart and Lisa become so popular on their block. Because if you pay attention, it was never about friendship with Bart and Lisa. It was only ever about getting into the pool. And you see this in that the kids are all over the house, and Bart, Bart, Marge asks Bart, she says, Bart, are all these kids your friends? And, and he says, friends and relishes, which he means relatives. And, and one of the kids even gets Marge's last name wrong, right? He says, hello, Mrs. Cumberdale. And and then those twins are like, isn't it amazing that the same day you got a pool is the same day we realized we liked you? And then Jimbo Jones gets a tip that another kid has an even bigger pool. And as soon as the kids find out that there's an even bigger pool to go into, they all rush over there. It was never about a relationship with Bart and Lisa. It was only ever about getting into the pool. It was never about friendship with Bart and Lisa. It was only ever about getting into the pool. And I tell you this because at one point in my life, I was one of those neighborhood kids. I was one of those neighborhood kids in my faith where it wasn't about a relationship with Bart and Lisa. It was only ever about getting into the pool. I, I think a lot of times that we treat Jesus like Bart and Lisa and we treat heaven like the pool. And I was one of those people who barely knew who Jesus was, but who 
gave some sort of intellectual agreement to the idea that I believed in him, and then one day knew that I was going to get into the pool. One day knew that I was going to get into heaven. I knew what heaven was, and I knew that I was going there, but I barely had any idea that I, of who Jesus was. I, I didn't have a relationship with him. I just would say that I believed in him, which I did. I believed in him, but I had no idea who he was. I had no relationship with him, and all I was doing was getting into the pool. In the same way for the Simpson kids, they had no relationship with Bart and Lisa. It was only ever about getting into the pool. And I made this shift. I made this shift. What I want to do today is, is, is take you through a shift that I made kind of in my own personal journey and in my own personal life. And I want to shift us away from a heaven focus. And I want to shift us onto a relationship with Jesus. Far too many of us, including myself at one point, know that we're getting into the pool and know that Jesus is getting us there, but we hardly know who Jesus is. And I made a shift away from a focus on heaven and onto a focus with a real, genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to focus our shift from heaven onto who Jesus actually is. When Morgan and I were first married, we lived in Fond du Lac, and we went to this fair in Alto, which is this small little town that's kind of a ways out of Fond du Lac. Anyone ever been to Alto? I'd be surprised if you have. All right. Yeah, two people. Okay. Uh, it's unincorporated, and, and they would have this fair, and so they would shut down the streets, and they would set up all these booths in the streets. And I remember there was this booth there. And I didn't go to it, but it had these big letters, and it said, Do you know where you'll go someday when you die? Find out today. Now, I assume that if I had gone up to that booth, they would have asked me, Sir, do you know where you're going to go someday when you die? And if I told them, Yeah, I'm going to heaven, they would say, All right, you're a Christian. And we'd high five and we'd walk away and go, Yay! But if they asked me, Sir, do you know where you're going to go someday when you die? And if I said, Yeah, I, I don't really know. I've never really given much thought to that. They would say, well, sir, there's two options when you die. There's heaven and there's hell, and hell is terrible, and heaven is wonderful, and you want to go to heaven when you die someday, right? And I'd say, yeah, I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. And he would say, okay, well, look with me at the Bible here at John 3.16, and it says that anyone who believes in Jesus gets to go to heaven when they die. So don't you want to believe in Jesus to go to heaven, sir? And I'd say, yeah, I want to believe in Jesus. And he'd say, all right, and we'd five and walk away, and I'd walk away agreeing to something that I hardly even knew of what I agreed to. I agreed to going to heaven by this guy, Jesus, but I don't know who Jesus is. What I am quibbling with right now is not the content of that booth. The content is true. There are two options when you die, and Christ is the only way to heaven. But what I'm quibbling with is the tactic of beginning with heaven and then reducing Jesus to the means of getting there. That is a tactic that reduces Bart and Lisa to the means of getting into the pool. And it reduces Jesus into the means of getting into heaven. When it should be all about a relationship with Jesus in the first place. I got a video I want to show you. I'm only, it's only a 16 second one, so it's real quick. The whole video is eight minutes long. And this is called The Bible Way to Heaven. And it's on YouTube. And I just found this and I, thought, I found it fascinating. And this video is this guy, uh, Roger, his gospel presentation or his evangelistic presentation. And I'm going to show you the first 16 seconds of this video. And I want you to listen to what he says at the beginning of his gospel presentation. And I want you to ask yourself, what is he trotting out as the goal or the conclusion or the ends of our faith? What is the center of this man's gospel? All right, let's watch. I'd like to ask you a question. Do you know for sure if you died today, would you go to heaven? 
you may say, I'm not sure if I'm going to heaven. Maybe you've never even thought of it. But the Bible says you could be 100% sure you are on your way to heaven. Do you know if you die today, would you go to heaven? Well, the Bible says that you can be 100% sure that you are on your way to heaven. He's already trotting out going to heaven as the conclusion or the ends or the grounds of our faith. We're going to play a game. All right, get ready. We're going to play a game. Well, I'm going to set a line at four minutes. This is an over or an under. I should probably stand right here. This is an over or an under. Now, what, what, what you're doing is, if you're taking the over, that's a thumbs up, and you're saying that it takes until after four minutes into the video for the first name, uh, or for the first mention of the name of Jesus. So if you're saying over, you're saying Jesus isn't mentioned until after four minutes into the video. And if you're taking the under, you're saying that the name of Jesus is mentioned before four minutes into the video. Okay, so lock in your answers. Over, after four minutes, under, before four minutes. Lock in your answers. You're not locking in your answers. There you go. All right, three, two, one. Put it up there, Jim. It is the under, but it's not until three minutes and 45 seconds into the video does he mention the name of Jesus. If you are talking about the gospel, and if you are telling people the gospel message, how does it take till three minutes and 45 seconds in the video to get to the name of Jesus? What else are you talking about for three minutes and 45 seconds? I didn't mean to be that crazy about it. That just struck me. What else are you talking about? Going to heaven, I assume. This is no gospel presentation, folks. This is a how-to of how to get into the pool. This is a how-to of how to get into heaven. This is no gospel presentation. All right? It's not about heaven. It's about Jesus. So this tactic that I'm kind of getting after today, this tactic that I bought into for so many years of my faith life, this tactic does this with our scripture today. All right? John 3.16 is one of the most well-known scriptures in the Bible. And here's how they do this. Now, you'll notice how I've broken this verse down by the part that talks about a relationship with God and then the part that talks about what a, a relationship with God results in or the benefits, we might say, of a relationship with God. And here is how this tactic treats this verse. They begin, they, they do it backwards. They do it backwards because they'll start here with this highlighted part, will not perish but have eternal life. And then they trot that out and say, do you want eternal life? Do you want to go to heaven someday? Well, how do you do that? Then they back up and they go here. Well, just believe in Jesus. And then you can go into heaven someday. And look at all the relationship talk that they've completely skipped over and completely missed. You got to go forwards. We need to treat this verse forwards and recognize all of that relationship speak. We need to begin where it begins. For this is how God loved the world. Oh, well, God loved the world. That's pretty cool. He loves his creation. And it says, this is how much he loved the world. Okay, well, how much did he love the world? Well, so much so that he gave his one and only son. Well, that's even cooler that God himself would actually give up himself, give up his son to come to this earth as a human, as a man to die for our sins and then rise again and then ascend back up into heaven. That is incredible because now that he, God has loved the world so much that he actually sent his very own son, now that his son came to be with us as one of us, now we can actually have a real relationship with God. A, a, God, a man who's God at the same time. 
He's come to us to actually institute a relationship with us. And now we can put our faith in him and actually believe in him and cultivate a personal relationship with him. This is incredible. And guess what bonus? If you have a relationship with that man, Jesus, it never ends. That relationship with that man, Jesus, never, ever ends. That's the good news. That's the good news. And so how do I get to heaven when I die? That is the wrong question. That is the wrong question. And fortunately, this is a question that I was living or answering for much of my faith life. But it's the wrong one. What I want to do is I want to, I had some people in my life and some resources that they introduced me to. They put me in a plane and we flew up to 30,000 feet and we looked down on the biblical narrative of heaven. And praise the Lord that I had people who were willing me to give me that plane ticket and fly up there with me and show me the biblical narrative on heaven because it changed my thinking. And what I want to do is I want to get into the plane with you. And we're going to fly up to 30,000 feet. And we're going to look down at the biblical narrative on heaven. So strap yourself in because this is a crash course. All righty? We only got one Sunday to do this. But let's fly up. When we look at the biblical narrative on heaven, we've got to get our definitions straight. And so when we talk about heaven, we're talking about God's space. And when we, talk about human, or when we talk about earth, we're talking about human space. Now, you notice that we don't have animations here. So notice the, the, the heaven sphere is blue and the earth sphere is red. Now, imagine in your mind those two spheres coming together. Where's Michael? Do what do red and blue make when they're together? Purple. Okay, so at the beginning of time when God creates the universe, both the sphere of heaven, God's space, and the sphere of earth, human space, are completely overlapping because Adam and Eve live in the Garden of Eden with God himself. Adam walks with God, and he talks with God. And there is perfect unity between God, there's Michael, perfect unity between heaven and earth because humans dwell with God. Well, that lasts about two-ish chapters, which is not very long, because humanity decides that they don't like their role of image-bearing And so they usurp their role as image bearers by sinning and bringing disobedience into the world. And now sin functions like a wedge between humanity and God. It brings in this wedge between their relationship with God. And now those spheres of heaven and earth, God's space and human space, are driven apart and separated by this wedge of sin. And the perfect depiction of this is when God casts Adam and Eve out of the garden and he places that flaming sword in the way of the garden so that it guards Adam and Eve from coming back into the garden because now a holy God in the garden of Eden cannot dwell with sinful humans who have been cast out into the world. And now we have this separation wedge of sin. Well, we're really uh, up the creek. But praise the Lord that he's not content to leave it this way. But he begins the work that no human could do of bringing these spheres back together once again. And so flash forward, and now you have Egypt, and God uses Egypt as an incubator to birth his people, the Hebrews, soon to be the Israelites, and he rescues them out of slavery in the same way that Jesus rescues us out of our slavery to sin. And now that he's rescued his people, he leads them through the wilderness on their way to the promised land. And as they travel, God gives them instructions to build this tent called a tabernacle. And it is in this tent that God's very presence would dwell. And it's a tent because it's mobile and they can pick it up and they can move it on their way to the promised land. 
And at the end of the book of Exodus, Moses cannot even go into the tabernacle because God's presence so thickly fills that tabernacle that he can't go in to perform his priestly duties. And so now we have this tabernacle, this tent where God actually dwells, which is the intersection of heaven and earth because it is God himself living in this tent amongst the people. So you have God's space intersecting with human space. I'm going really fast. Are you following me so far? God is living with his people as they wander through the wilderness in this tabernacle. Well, flash forward, Solomon gets the the third king of Israel, gets the privilege of building or having built, I doubt he lifted a finger, but having built this temple for God, which would replace the tabernacle as God's permanent home. And so in the city of Jerusalem, he spends years building this incredible building for God, this temple. And at the end of the building, when it's all completed, they have this huge worship ceremony. And the presence of God, it's, it's described as like a smoke. It comes down from heaven and it fills that temple. And again, just like at the end of the book of Exodus when Moses couldn't go in, the presence of God is so thick in that temple that the priests cannot go in to perform their priestly duties. And now the temple has replaced the tabernacle as God living with his people. It is the new intersection of heaven, God's space, and earth, humanity's space. Well, now things get really fun. Because several hundred years later, he comes himself in the person of Jesus. And God sends his son, Jesus. And Jesus is the intersection of heaven and earth because now we don't just have God's presence depicted as smoke living in the Holy of Holies in the temple. Now we have God himself come to be with us as one of us, Emmanuel, God with us. And John, we love John today, is gonna make two incredible observations about this man, Jesus, who has come. The first one comes from John 1.14. It says, the word, notice the capital W, we're talking about the son of God now, The word, the son of God, became flesh or became human and made his dwelling among us. That is astounding in and of itself, but the English obscures something even cooler. Because that word dwelling comes from the the root Greek word skene, which means tabernacle. And so what John has just done is he has called Jesus the new and better tabernacle. The intersection of heaven and earth, of God's space and humanity's space. And then just a few verses later, he's going to do something really cool. This comes to us from the lips of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist looks out. He sees Jesus coming on the horizon. And he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Why would he call Jesus the Lamb? What happened in the tabernacle? They made animal sacrifices. And so within the span of two verses, John has just labeled Jesus the new and better tabernacle and the new and better sacrifice. And so Jesus is this new intersection of heaven and earth, and he conducts his earthly ministry, and he dies, and he rises, and then he ascends back into heaven where he sits at the right hand of God today and waits for his father's orders to to come back. I'd really like it if he came back, you know, tomorrow. But um, he waits for his father to send him back again, and that's great because this is not the end of the story. He's not staying up there forever because when his father tells him to come back, he will bind up sin and hell forever and death forever And his believers, his followers throughout the ages will receive resurrected bodies and they will ascend or we will live into this new heavens and the new earth that God will make. And now we're back to the beginning of the Bible again because the spheres of heaven and earth have been completely brought back together and God's people live with him again as he intended. Here's how Revelation puts it. All right, look at Revelation. It says, then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To Jesus, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power 
forever and ever. That's the picture. This is our hope. Not that we get to go to heaven someday, but that we can have a relationship with God himself who came to be with us as one of us right now. And then we can continue that relationship face to face someday. And the time never runs out. I can't wait to meet this man. Someday I get to meet this first century Jew face to face. And we've had a lot of pictures of what Jesus looks like, but I'll actually get to see the real face. And I can touch his face if I want to. I'm going to say, can, may I see your wrists, Mr. King? And I want to see the holes that he has, that he took for me. And I will actually get, I'll get those first century Jew arms wrapped around my very body. And I will get to sit and I will get to ask him questions. And I will get to be with him along with everybody else who knows him. And the time will never, ever run out. There's a lot of people across the ages that know him. But what's great is I can hug him as long as I want. And you can too. Because the time never runs out. And we can listen to him teach as long as we want. And we won't have fallen minds that get distracted every other second. And we'll, the time will never run out. And we will get to be in his presence and we'll get to sing whatever song. The, the request list never ends. Because we got all the time in the world. You don't have to get on to lunch. Because we got eternity, man. That's our hope. That's a heaven that I'm looking forward to. Is knowing the God man who came to save me. And getting to be with him forever. And take the relationship that I have with him now. Into a place where it never ends. And it's face to face. Person to person. One of the greatest regrets that I have with this life. Is there's a lot of cool people out there. There's a lot of cool people who I've met in my life. But you only have so much time to hang out. And when you become a family man, you don't hang out at all. (laughs) You know. And someday we'll never run out of time to hang out with God. With this God-man Jesus. Why do I fly you up to 30,000 feet? Because it's not about us. It's not about going to heaven someday. I don't like that hymn, all fly away. It's not about flying away. It's about knowing Christ. It's all about Jesus. It's not about us. It's not about going to heaven someday. It's all about Jesus. All right, I made this meme. All right, middle schoolers, let's see how you do because my middle schoolers seem to like, they don't get memes, all right? So let's see if you get this meme. I made this meme. Robin asked Batman, how do I get to heaven when I die? And Batman smacks him and says, it's about Jesus. All right, this is how I feel. This is how I feel, and this is the shift that I made. And this prompted the question for me, do I know Jesus? Do I know Jesus? Because for many years, I really didn't. I name-dropped him into a preferred afterlife, but I did not know who Jesus is. Look at how John puts this. I love John. Now, this is eternal life. What's eternal life? That they know you the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. John is equating eternal life with knowing Jesus. That's what this is all about, is a personal, genuine, abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. 
So do I know Jesus? Because many years I really didn't. Do I really have a relationship with Jesus? But now I do. And because I have a relationship with Jesus and it's personal and it's abiding and because I realize I get to know my, I get to know my God that I worship. I get to know him personally because he's became like me. He's a man sitting on the throne of God up in heaven and he's going to come back someday. I get to know him. And because I made this shift into knowing Jesus and this shift away from going to heaven, I want to be part of a place that wants to know who Jesus is. And I want to be part of a place that puts all of its efforts into the knowing of who Christ is and that exists for Christ and knowing him. And when we get together for worship, we're so excited about who this God-man is and what this God-man has done and what this God-man will do that we overflow in abundant joy because we got relationships with this guy and he's the best thing. There's nothing like him. There is no one else like him. There is no other story like him. There is no other act like him. He is worth your life. And we love him. That's the kind of a place that I want to be a part of. And I'm encouraged because when I go to g242.org, in my web browser, I see this. A Mequon church that follows Jesus. Ooh. <laughs> yes! That's the kind of place that I want to be a part of. Because Grace 242, the sense I get is that you get it, or you're getting it, one of the two, but you're getting that our faith is not about flying away to some preferred afterlife, or not about some, oh, give some sort of intellectual assent to this idea of Jesus, but that we want to know Jesus because he's the best thing. And that we exist to know him. That's the kind of place that I want to be a part of. I want to be a part of a place that knows Jesus and that puts all of its energy in its best stuff. Yes, Praise the Lord. He's amazing. I'll close with a story. Now, I must trigger warning, all right? Because on the right is middle school me. So I apologize. I apologize. I apologize. Middle schoolers, it gets better. It gets better. Um, So that's me on the right. And then that is my best friend at the time in middle school on the left. His name is Chad Wensing. And Chad Wensink had the coolest stuff. Right, he had, uh, his basement was finished off, and it was this long room, and he had a whole arsenal for, full of Nerf weapons, and so we would fight, you know, and play Nerf Wars in the, in the basement. He had um, Legos, which I had Legos too, but he had Castle Legos, Castle, which have the best weapons, the broadsword, and I would ask for Castle Legos for Christmas over and over again, and I never got them for some reason, but he did. I always got pirates which is fine, but their, their swords aren't near as good as the broadsword that you get with the castle set. Sorry, now I'm going off on Legos. Anyway, he had a computer that had Windows 98, and it could run Age of Empires. My computer was Windows 3.1, and it had 8 megabytes of RAM, and you needed 16 megabytes of RAM, and Windows 95 to run Age of Empires, and he had an amazing graphic card. It was a Gateway 2000, right? Remember that? Yeah, it was awesome. And he had regular Nintendo with Game Genie, and he had Super Nintendo, and I wasn't allowed to have a video game system because my parents knew that I'd fry my brain on it. All right, so he had the coolest stuff, and he had this cottage up north, and this is where this picture was taken, and and the next one too. He had this cottage up north, and he would invite me up every week, or uh, uh, for a long weekend every summer, and he got me into golf, and he had this great set of clubs, and he got a, a membership to this golf course that was near his cottage and so we would golf and basically we'd golf until my money ran out (laughs) but uh we would golf and he invited me and he had the coolest stuff 
But why I tell you this is I was friends with Chad Wensink, not because of this stuff, but because of Chad Wensink. And even if I had the cooler stuff than Chad, I still would have been best friends with Chad Wensink. Because when I hung out with Chad Wensink, it was a joy to be with Chad Wensink. It was not about his stuff. It was not about his Nerf weapons. It was not about his video game systems. It was not about his Legos. It was not about his cottage. It was the fact that we get to be together. Hey, we get to stay overnight tonight and sleep in your waterbed. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, but we get... Sorry, that was a weird image. But yeah, it was middle school. Different time. But anyway... But it was about being with Chad. It was never about his stuff. It was only ever about Chad Wensink. And in the same way, I want to be a part of a place where it's about Jesus. It's not about going and flying away to heaven someday. But it's about a real abiding personal relationship with him now. And one that lasts into eternity face to face. And one that where the time never runs out. That's the kind of place that I want to be a part of. It's a place where we know who Jesus is. I want to know Jesus. I want to know Jesus. Let's pray.